You know, it's funny, uh, Tina, that, that song got Sherry and I through uh, a really hard time when we were back in Ontario. So what a blessing to sing that again this morning. So thank you. Well, welcome back to our indoor Sunday services. While it's good to be back in the building, I have to say, what a great summer. Like, just an amazing summer. We averaged around 180 people every Wednesday night. We hit some nights where we're well over the 200 mark. New Life Kids was overflowing. Fellowship, absolutely amazing. And overall, as a church family, we were on mission. And that, I think, is the most important thing. We were on mission of moving up and out, saturating Lloyd Minster, Lloyd Minster with the gospel, with the good news. So bless you and thank you, but it's good to be back inside. Now, on a personal note, we had an amazing summer as a family as well. Some pretty incredible stuff happened to us this summer. Stuff I'm still really stoked about. I think if, if you are a faithful, regular attender of the church, I, I, I think many of you know what I'm talking about, about our personal good news. I, I still can't believe it, how blessed I am. And if you don't mind, just because I got the pulpit this Sunday... Um, for one time only, I'm going to put a picture up, I promise, only one time only, so I thought I'd show you a picture of the biggest blessing of my life, and it happened this summer. Go ahead. <laughs> I know. Hard to believe, eh? That's excellent. Yeah. What's that, Sherry? Oh, yeah, we had something else happen, too. You can put the other one up, too. Oh, yeah. A new... Our very first um, granddaughter, you know, I can't remember her name, but I named the fish Jack. <laughs> no, Faith. Her name's Faith. Faith. We're absolutely delighted, so, um, so thank you. Um, people say um, that she looks like me. I think the fish looks more like me than she does, but that doesn't matter. All right. Our scripture for this morning is quite long. It's 58 verses long. I won't be reading all of it. Instead, how does a, a quick recap sound? You, you can put the title slide up if you like, Isaiah. No one will concentrate on my sermon with a beautiful picture of that baby girl. So how about a, a quick recap of where in the life of the Old Testament we'll be this morning? What's going on inside, inside of these verses? Yeah, our text this morning is 1 Samuel 17. It's a very common Bible story, one that is taught often in Sunday school, Bible studies, vacation Bible schools, and, and sermons. Funny enough, though, I, I looked back into my files and I realized that in my almost 30 years of preaching ministry, I have never once preached this passage. I've never preached this story, the story that we call David and Goliath. Weird but kind of exciting for me. So I, I want to get, get, go, get going. So let's do this. Let's, let's preach and hear what God has to say from 1 Samuel 17, the story of David and Goliath. Here's the recap. Here's the quick recap. Israel wanted a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations. But Israel was not like all the other nations. They had God on their side. He was their God. They were his people. Their demand for a king 
was a rejection of God. Despite this, God permitted them a king, but it came with a warning. The king would rule over them. A man named Saul was picked to be their king. King Saul did not follow the words of the Lord, and so the Lord's hand was often against them as a nation. And while Saul was still king, God anointed a young boy, David, as Israel's future king because he had a heart that chased after God. King Saul was plagued by evil spirits because of his rebellion against God. And so David was brought in to play his harp to soothe the evil spirits and to soothe King Saul. Then Goliath, the giant Philistine, threatens Israel as they are facing the army of the Philistines. Now David was a shepherd. He brought to his brothers who were at the front fighting lunch. And that's when David saw and heard Goliath. Goliath was taunting the Israelite army. Goliath scared everyone. David wasn't scared. He knew God was stronger. David fought Goliath. He used one stone in his sling. God directed that rock and helped David kill Goliath. The Israelites won. God rewarded David's faith, and Israel was saved from the Philistines. Let's pray. Father God, you have something for us this morning. I would be a fool to think I know what that is. I know what you have for me this morning through this word. But I ask you, God, in mercy and with gentleness, but Father, with directness, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would reveal your message to each person here, to where they're at in their life. And I ask you, God, to use me as your vessel, a faulty vessel, a sinful vessel. And I ask that Jesus be lifted up high. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, there are many promises in this book, the book that we call the Bible, God's Word. And all these promises were given to us by God. Promises like, those who hope in the Lord will have their strength renewed. That's a great promise. How about this one? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Wonderful, wonderful promise. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to them. If we confess our sins, God says, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another great, great promise. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My grace is sufficient for you. All great promises. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. These are but a, a handful of over 160 promises made by God to you and to me that are recorded in this, the Bible, God's holy word. Interesting enough, there's another promise 
Another promise of God, spoken by Jesus when he was ministering on earth, and, and, and it's a promise, again, given to us, is found in John 16, 33. It says, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, this one doesn't sound nearly as nice as those other promises I just read to you, but it's still a promise of God. It's an, it's an odd promise, for sure, as it's a promise with a warning. You will experience trouble. It's a fact. The neat thing about all of God's promises are that all of them are, in fact, facts. You can take them to the bank, as it were, including this one. We will have trouble in this life. I think everyone in this room can attest to that fact. If so, can I get an amen? amen. Okay, there we go. Now that sounds real. That sounds like real trouble. <laughs> There's much to be learned from the story of David and Goliath, including how to face adversity. Each of us have faced adversity in our lives one way or another. With death, illness, loneliness, loss of work, decreasing income, increasing bills, family issues, friend issues, personal sin, or the effects of a loved one's sin. And adversity comes in different shapes, but usually, at first, they just appear to be one size, and that's giant. As I said, there's much to be learned from the story of David and Goliath, including how to face adversity, the giant in your life. Do you, do you shrink back in fear and dismay when faced with adversity? Do, do you hope someone else comes along and fixes the problem for you? Or, or do you handle, handle it yourself using your own strength and abilities and might? Or maybe you let God handle it as an, as an act of faith. Anytime we're facing a problem bigger than us, we're facing our giant. David's giant, Goliath, he was tangible. He, he was said to be nine feet, nine inches tall. He wore armor about 125 pounds, carrying an appropriately sized spear and shield. Well, our Goliaths, our giants, our adversities, they don't really carry swords or, or shields. They carry weapons of unemployment, health problems, family problems, worry, and so on, and so on, and so on. Our Goliath, they, they don't dance and parade about the hills of Elah like Goliath did. They're, they're up close and personal to us. They're in our offices, they're in our homes, they're in our classrooms, they're, they live right next to us, they're, they're in our church, and they bring bills that we can't pay, grades that we can't make, people that we can't please, alcohol, drugs, pornography that we can't resist, a past we can't escape, and a future we just don't want to face. And we know our Goliath. We see his face. We know his voice. And he is taunting us. But as Goliath is our Goliath, all we see or hear. 
Because we can be like David and see and hear beyond. The key to overcoming adversity, to overcoming our giants, is not to focus on the size of the giant. The seemingly size of our adversity does not matter. Luke 1, verse 37, this is Jesus speaking. He says, for nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Size of our problem does not matter. David asked the men standing near him in 1 Samuel 17, 27, 26. He said, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David shows up not talking trash, but he shows up talking God. Everyone else, Saul, his army, they have completely ignored and forgotten God. But when David confronts his Goliath, he continues in the same way of talking God. 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 to 47, David said to the Philistines, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you, he will give all of you, into our hands. Don't, don't miss this, folks. David sees what others don't see. And he refuses to see what others do see. He just focuses on God. It's not that he doesn't see the problem. How, how could he not? It's nine feet, nine inches. He just sees God more then he sees the problem. He sees God in all of his glory with all the resources behind him. So David rushes to the problem, not away from the problem. Now you might be thinking to yourself or, or saying, but, but I'm not David. I, I'm not like him. Aren't you? I mean, despite his shortcomings, David was a man after God's heart. He had a relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? He fell as often as he stood. He stumbled as often as he conquered. Do you? He stared down Goliath, yet he lusted after Bathsheba. He could lead armies, but he couldn't manage his family. He had eight wives, but through it all, he only had one God. Are you sure you aren't like David? Because I sure am. Shrinking back in fear, like the Israelite army, won't make 
your adversity go away. Hoping for someone to step up and rescue you or to come and fix the problem for you will only end in dis disappointment when no one comes. Handling yourself on your own, using your own abilities, your own might, will just lead to failure. Ultimately, we have to face our giants head on or they will subdue and overcome us. But we aren't to face them alone. We don't have to face them alone. We are called to focus first and foremost on God. It worked for David. It will surely work for us. Because we are like David. Looking back at our passage, we can see where David's focus was. How much did he dwell on Goliath? Only twice in all of those 58 verses does David mention Goliath. And even then, he doesn't even do it by name. In verse 26, David refers to him as this Philistine. In verse 36, David refers to him only as this uncircumcised Philistine. David is not concerned about Goliath's age, his capabilities, his intelligence. He has no concerns about Goliath's weapon, the weight of the spear, the size of the shield, or the strength of his armor. God, on the other hand, is mentioned by David no less than nine times. Verse 26 and 36, David speaks of the armies of the living God. Verse 45, he refers to the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Verse 46, the Lord will deliver you into my hand that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into his hands. David doesn't show up to talk smack. He shows up to talk God. You and I are to be like David. David's God focus outnumbers his Goliath focus nine to two, or four and a half to one, if you will. So my question to you is this. Do you think of God's grace four times as much as you do about the adversity in your life? Or the guilt you might have because of your Goliaths. When you go to bed at night, are you thinking about giants or about grace? When you pray, is your list of blessings four times as long as your list of complaints? David teaches a simple but powerful concept. Focus on giants, you will go down. Focus on God, and the giants will go down. I love this promise found in, in, in Isaiah 51. Listen to these words. He says, for I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea so that, it, that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I, have, I who set the heavens in place, 
who laid the foundations of the earth and who say to Zion, you are my people. So the people and the things that we fear are only flesh and blood or are made by those who are flesh and blood. But we belong to God. We are his people. The all-powerful creator who set the heavens in place and laid down the foundations of the earth. God is our God. He is intimate with us and protects us with his shadow of his hand because we belong to him in this unique relationship as his people. Goliaths, giants, are found in so many locations. They're lurking on the internet. They're hiding in a bottle. They're sitting in the cubicle next to yours. They're sleeping next to someone that doesn't belong to you. Because we live in a sinful world, damaged by sin, people get sick. People die. People lose jobs. People have family breakdowns. Adversity comes in all sorts of shapes. But you and I can conquer our Goliath. And we don't need five stones. David didn't. He just needed one. One stone and a great big God. You and I need to be like David with one stone and one great big God behind us that is unstoppable. It will help us to be undefeatable. You know, the key verse, the key verse in our scripture today is verse 37. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. You see, David had experienced God's saving power in the past as a shepherd. And now he's trusting on it again for the present. The question is, will you? Each one of us, I am confident, could tell us story after story of God's amazing power in all of our lives. How he has rescued us, saved us. So will you trust God now? You remember what he's done for you in the past. Will you trust him now with your giants? with your adversity, here in the present. The beauty of that promise found in John 16, 33, is that it not only promises us that we will face adversity, but the Lord Jesus himself encourages us later in that same verse by saying, but take courage. I have overcome the world. In other words, despite this adversity in our lives, if you trust me, says Jesus, we can handle it together because I, Jesus Christ, the Lord, your Savior, have already overcome it for you. He's already, he's already done it. You just need to trust me, says Jesus, and do as I say. This is what David knew. This is what we must believe. This is what we must do. Focus on God and not our giants. I'll call the worship team forward. Now here's the thing. Once you dispose of one adversity, more are sure to come. Get rid of one giant, 
There'll be another giant right behind. That's part of the promise given to us by Jesus. In 2 Samuel 21, David had to face four more literal giants. These were descendants of the original Goliath. So just because you get rid of one doesn't mean you're good for the rest of your life. There will be more down the road. You can bank on it. Remember the promise is that we will have trouble, not just once, but many, many times. We are to handle each of them the same way, by focusing on God and God alone. What he has done for us in the past, he will do for us now, in the present, and forevermore in the future. So let us focus on him and him alone. Adversity, giants, ought to instruct us, not obstruct us. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what giants are you avoiding? And now, after hearing his word, what is God inviting you to do? James 1, 2 to 4 says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, that when you encounter various trials, knowing knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What is God inviting you to do this morning? James 1.5.6 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to them. But they must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. What is God inviting you to do today? Mark 5, 36, don't be afraid, have faith. Philippians 4, 4, 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What? is God inviting you to do today. Father God, speak to us. Encourage us. Help us to minister to one another this morning. Thy will be done. Your promises never change. You've never changed. You've always, always stayed the same. And for that we say, thank you.